This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Let's talk about the things that would be nice to have control of some things. It would be nice to control the weather. But can you imagine how goofed up the weather could be if all of us had some kind of control over it? Because if I was controlling the weather around here, it would look a lot like San Diego. And that's so are the housing prices. But weather, we're not going to control that. It'd be nice to control world events and economy. How many of you figured out that's not going to happen? So we all, those are givens. But how about this? It would be nice to control the people in your life. <laughs> Go ahead, just smile. Yes, you agree with that. It'd be, it'd be nice to control your family. If I could control my family, if I could make my kids do what I tell them to do. Yeah. My, uh, my father's really getting up in age. And uh, he... Uh, he, he and I, when I was younger, I was very close to him. And it was interesting. I was very close when I was a little guy. He was, a, he was really wonderful at, at that six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old boy. He was great in that area. And where things began to, to, to fall apart was when I became a teenager and I began to have ideas that differed from him. And he realized he could not that I wasn't following as much. I might raise some questions, I might do some things. And it really caused a divide that was very difficult to bridge. And so oftentimes in families, you hear families and they do well when the kids are, are younger and you can pretty much have some level of control when the children are younger. But when they get older, they begin to make their own decisions. They begin to, to go their own way. Really, it can cause some challenges in a family. And then of course, there's family, but then there's, there's people outside the family. How many of you figured out you, you, can't troll, you can't really control anybody? And so people try, and, and often it's manipulative. But here are some things that you can control, and these are areas that we can directly control. The first one is expectations. We can control our expectations. I talk every, every holiday season, I, I mention something around having realistic expectations when it comes to Christmas. Because people often have a difficult time with Christmas. They're fine being by themselves the day before Christmas and then Christmas hits and their expectations rise and they think maybe something's amazing gonna happen, but you can control expectations. Here's a good just rule of thumb. When it comes to people, don't expect much and appreciate everything. That's a, you stay happy that way. You can control expectations. You can control your response to people and events. Not people and events, your response to people and events. I'll give you a good lesson I was, I was reading years ago, and this, this one really struck me. David, when he was uh, anointed to be king, he was a teenager, and uh, he did not become king for a long time. And so part of the time that he was uh, in his 20s, he was running from King Saul, who's trying to kill him. And so he spent years running as a fugitive, trying to stay away from Saul. And yet he, was, he, uh, he amassed a group of, of people that came with him called the Mighty Men. They didn't start off as Mighty Men, by the way. They started off as a bunch of guys who were in debt and disgruntled and, and had problems. And they, they, went, they flocked around David. They became Mighty Men. And so David, David was, got a message one day that the Philistines, which was Israel's mortal enemy, had attacked a city called Keilah, not Kima, <laughs> Keilah. And 
And so David's, David prayed. He said, Lord, should I go down there and deliver the city? And the Lord said, go. And so David said to the guys, come on, guys, we're going down to Keilah. And, and uh, they said, David, they're already trying to kill us. Why are we going to go down there? And I love what David did. The Bible said he went back and inquired of the Lord again. Isn't that great? Sometimes if you're getting a lot of pushback, sometimes it's always good to go back and say, Lord, is that what you said? Is that what you wanted me to do? And the Lord said, go, I'll deliver the city into your hand. So David goes down with his mighty men and they just, they, they beat the Philistines back and they deliver the city and David is a hero. Yay. But guess what happens next? Go ahead and put it up screen. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hands? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he'll come down. Then David said, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they'll deliver you. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. And it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. Now, I'll tell you something, a little bit about, about human nature right there. David delivers them. Saul's coming down. He's got an army. And, and, the, and the guys at Keilah said, oh, 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 Saul's coming. So well, we're going to give David up. I love how David prays. He's like, Lord, is Saul coming? Saul's like, mm-hmm, he's coming. Are they going to give me up? Yeah, they're going to give me up. Don't you know David could have prayed another prayer? Oh, God, make Saul not come. Make him not come, Lord. Oh, Lord, make him not show up. Lord said, he's coming. Okay, well, then make the men of Keilah do the right thing and not give me up. How many know that's the right thing to do? How many know what those guys at Keilah did was wrong? David just delivered them. Now they're going to give him up. He could have prayed a whole different prayer. He did not pray a whole different prayer. How many of you, the Lord is not going to make people do stuff. This will help you. Some of you have been praying, Lord, I, I need you to make my son. My son has gotten away from you, Lord. Hurt him, Lord. Take him down really bad. Make him, <laughs> make him do. Don't pray that way. Don't do that. Lord, make so. You've ever prayed that prayer? Lord, make so and so do this. Joy will tell you, she spent a long time praying that God would make people do things and make people. I got news for you. You can't control people and God won't control them. He gives them choices. If he was going to make people do stuff, he'd make everybody get saved today. And we would go into the millennia tomorrow. And be a wonderful thing. You can't make people do stuff. I love what David did. They're going to they're gonna give me up? Yeah. Saul coming? Yeah. I'm getting out of here. That's wisdom. You can't make people do stuff. You can't control them, but you can control your response to them. And that's the only thing you can control. You can control how you respond. So, take a lesson from... David and Keilah. Here's the, here's the third thing we can control directly. Our attitude and our perspective. I can't control everything around me. I can't control my attitude towards it. 
Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I won't go all into this, but here, here's something that, and maybe we'll talk more about this later, something we can always control is we can begin to control how we see things, our perspective of things. And thank God, God's given us his word to help us change how we think, to change our mindset, to change our attitude, to change our perspective. How many of you have been walking with the Lord long enough? Now, maybe you're brand new in this, but how many of you have been walking with the Lord long enough that you can say, I don't think about things the same way I used to think? You can get a whole different perspective. Some of you were so prejudiced and then you got saved and you begin to realize, hey, skin color ain't nothing but a thing. It doesn't matter. What matters is what's on the heart, what's on the inside of someone. And you can move right past that. You can learn to think differently. You can take your attitude differently. Some of you wouldn't be caught dead in church five years ago, but here you are on a cold, wet Wednesday night in church. And your attitude has changed and you realize, hey, that's, that's valuable. That's, that's a different perspective. So we're constantly in the process of renewing and changing our mind because I can't change you and I can't make you do anything, but I can change how I respond to you and how I respond to the events of life. Woke up today and it was nasty and wet. It was, it's, been, it's been Seattle around here for the last few days. And if you're not careful, you can start to grumble. It's like, I'll tell you what, I'm just tired of this rain. I'm just tired of this rain. This is nasty rain. It's not going to change it. So you might as well just enjoy it. When I, pastors hate rain because it, it keeps so many people out of church. Or I could take a different perspective. Hey, I'm looking forward to tonight, Father, because I know everybody who is there actually wants to be there. We're going to have a good time. So how you, how you check? I, I, I cannot change the weather. I can complain to the Lord all I want about the weather. But if, I, if that was the case, it would have been a lot cooler in the summers here a long time ago. <laughs> but I can't change my perspective. Here's some things going into this year. Here's an area. Here's some areas that I'm, I'm, I purpose in my heart that I'm going to exercise control in. It's found in one of my favorite Psalms, Psalms 34. One in three says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Three areas that you can control this year that you can have direct control over. Here's the first one. I control how much I'm going to praise God. I'm going to, he said, I love this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, here's a great question. What is continually in your mouth? And, and don't say food. <laughs> What's continually in your mouth? And if you're not careful, you'll, you'll, you'll catch yourself. I was, on, I was out of town. Joy and I were out of town on, on Sunday. And um, I got in an elevator. I was going up to the room in an elevator. And a, and a family was on there. The guy had a New England... New England Patriots uh, shirt on. Don't clap. <laughs> and uh, I, I looked at him. I said, well, your team came through today because they just beat the Jets big time. And then just right out of my mouth, I said, we're in trouble. I was talking about the Texans. I said, we're in trouble. I said, our offensive line, we're in trouble. You know what this guy said? He said, oh, we were just at the game. He said, it was, it was a great game. 
He said, you know, what a turnaround they had from this year. And I got at the elevator going, boy, did I sound like Mr. Negative. <laughs> and if you're not careful, you just realize that maybe negativity ha has been in your mouth too much. And I, I, saw, I, the pastor had to catch himself. And so I'm projecting good things. <laughs> and I love the fact that we're playing on Saturday. Yes. And we made the playoffs. And we, and we rebounded from a horrible start. And our quarterback's still alive, which is a miracle. But anyway, I, I, I realized, and I was just not, you think, well, Alan, that's a small thing. Yeah, but I don't want negativity to be in my mouth. We belong to the Lord. We're his people. We're his children. They all, we ought to really be the most positive people around. Right? Come on now. Our, our past has been forgiven. Oh, hallelujah. Our future, I know exactly where I'm going. Now I lay me down to sleep. I don't have to pray the Lord. I know the Lord's keeping my soul. If I leave tonight, I know exactly where I'm going to be. It's a good place. That, that, and then I know right now, I got help right now. Past is taken care of. Present's taken care of. And help for today. Ought to make us positive people. Y'all ever see Foghorn Leghorn? Anybody remember the Foghorn Leghorn, that southern chicken? <laughs> He's like, you built too low, boy. I'm pitching them, but you ain't catching them. Now, come on, y'all. Get with me. Are we going to be the most positive people this year? I will, I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Continually. And then it says, next one, I like this, said, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. Now that's different. We live in a, in a, in a, a culture that's very, if you know, it's very boastful. I mean, it's, it, it is a selfie taking, self-aggrandizement. It, it's just a, a culture, but you know, it's always been that way. My soul will make its boast. Look at this verse in Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise men boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have understanding to know me, that I'm the Lord who ex exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. So boasting in the Lord is... is it's is very, very different. And I realized it is, as I was reading this psalm, I thought, you know, that's something I probably don't do enough. Is boasting in the Lord is, is just talked about what the Lord's done. Giving him credit for what he's done. I, I, I'm amazed at the people who won't even let you give him credit. I have people come up to me sometimes and go, oh, you and Joy have done such a great job of building this church. I'm like, we didn't build it. If the Lord didn't build the house, we labor in vain if we're building it. The Lord did it. Now listen, if you got humility, you know what you ought to say? Well, you're exactly right, Alan. I know you, and this is a miracle. <laughs> I, I know you couldn't do this on your own. And you know what? They'd be exactly right. 
I remember I sat in front of a guy one time. He said, it had to be the Lord. He said, because it couldn't be you. <laughs> and if, you, if, you, if you're prideful, you're like, well, I did something. <laughs> but really, you know what? I, I didn't save myself. I didn't call myself. I did not anoint myself to be a pastor. Come on now. You, you know, it was all his grace. He didn't look down at me and go, now that is one sharp individual in Alan Clayton right there. I'm going to tell you something. That's a guy I'm going to do something with. I am going to anoint him and grace him. And no, no, that's not, that, no, 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 that's not it. He saw a guy that was struggling. He saw a guy that really wasn't going anywhere. He saw a guy that was destined for hell, but gee, he sent his son and thank God somebody got the gospel over to me and somebody got the truth into me and somebody enabled me and thank God I had the ability to say, yes, Jesus, I receive you as the Lord of my life and I was born again. Then he filled me with the spirit, which empowered me to do exactly what he called me to do. And then he called me to pastor and I couldn't have done it if I didn't. People say, I couldn't do your job. Well, if you don't have the grace, don't even try it. But if you got the grace, it's the best job in the world. But I didn't give it to myself. He gave it to me. So who am I boasting in? It's not me, people. I'm boasting in the Lord. And when you see me 20 years from now, you say, you plan on being here when you're 80? Yes, exactly. If the Lord tarries his coming, I'm here. And we're, we're in this for the long run. And if it does, he gets all the glory. He gets all the praise. And when we come to heaven, you are not going to walk up to him and go, you know, I was a pretty doggone good Christian. I want to tell you that right now. <laughs> He's going to look at you and say, my son, my daughter, who gave you the grace? Who gave you the ability? Who gave you the strength? Who held you up when you were about to go under? Who sent people to encourage you when you're about to give up? So you know what we're all going to do? We're going to come and any reward we have, we're going to throw it right at his feet and say, Lord, I want to thank you because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. And if it wasn't for you, and I am so glad. So here's the deal. How many of you know there's only one superstar in heaven? There's only one. Nobody's going to be talking about, ooh, did you hear that preacher? Did you hear that pastor? No. We got Jesus. Everybody else is, is class B. He is class A. Everybody else is a back seat. No, one, no superstars in heaven. And really, there shouldn't be any superstars on earth. We should be saying, Lord, thank you for what you've done. I will boast in the Lord. Now, if you've got humility, you'll go, I'll tell you what, I'm a self-made man. I'm not, I don't know about that. I'm a self-made man. Well, you ought to thank God you weren't born in North Korea, self-made man. Because it's hard to make it in, South Korea, in North Korea. We're grateful. We boast in the Lord because we realize, hey, without him, mm, where would we be? Some of us would be dead. Some of us would be such a bad situation. But thank God we're not without him. My soul will boast in the Lord. And the humble will hear of it and be glad. And the last one, so I can control that. I say, how do I boast in the Lord? I just talk about what the Lord's done. Oh, that was really so good. The Lord helped us. The Lord's been good to us. Man, you, you do such a good job in that. Well, I'm glad God gave me talents and abilities. Listen, if you can, here's the thing. If you can get used to boasting in the Lord in your own private time, it's easier to do it publicly. So in other words, if you just tell him, Lord, I appreciate all you've done. I appreciate all you've Man, thank you been so good to us. You've been so gracious. And if you begin to do that in your private time, then it comes out of you naturally. When you get around other people, you're just like, no, the Lord's been good. 
He's been good. Well, I don't want to hear about the Lord. No, no, no. He's been good. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble hear of it and be glad. Here's the last one. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. So I'm going to praise God more this year. I'm going to boast about the Lord more this year. And I'm going to magnify him more in my life. Now, what do you choose to magnify in your life? If you, if you magnify the negatives, it's not going to relieve the pressure. A lot of us have challenges, almost anybody. I mean, if we just took a poll and we talked tonight, we all got in a circle and talked and everyone went around the circle, I doubt we're going to find someone that doesn't have a problem that they're dealing with. But here's the deal. We can magnify the problem or we can magnify the answer. And what you say, well, Alan, what do you mean by magnifying? I mean, I've got problems. I've got situations. You, you don't know what situations I have. And, and you don't know what situations I have either. And quite honestly, we don't know what situations a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ have. That's why the, the Bible says, don't judge. You know, everybody's got a story. And behind every door is a story. And so we don't want to, but here's the deal. We can magnify the problem or we can magnify the Lord. Now you say, well, what do you mean by magnify the Lord? I can't make God any bigger. Actually, here's, here's the key. We magnify by doing two things. What we keep on our mind and what we keep in our mouth. What we're thinking about a lot and what we're talking about a lot. How many of you know that you've ever, have you ever had a problem or a situation that you're dealing with and, and somebody can say something and it might be completely unrelated and all of a sudden it just pours out of you, the problem? I've done that. You ever done that? And you're thinking, oh my, because why? That's weighing on you. It's, it's heavy on you. And, and you're just, and, and boy, you're just talking about it. I, I told you about the time that Joy and I went down as our first date ever to Papa Cito's. We had, she's from Florida, I'm from North Carolina. When we came here, the only, the first Mexican food we discovered was ponchos. <laughs> Anybody know ponchos? Yes. They still have ponchos? They still? Yes. You still raise the flag? Yes. Do they still have those sopapillas that are really, really yes, okay. Okay. That's the, that's the first Mexican food we found. And then someone took me to Papacitos. I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, Joe, I got to take you down there. And so we got in the car, and this was the one down on, um, around AirText. Is that it? So we're driving down there. But that day, we'd gotten a bad report about one of our children. It was a medical report. It was not a good report. And when we got in the car, we started talking about that, that report. And, and we talked about it. And we, we weren't talking answers. We were talking problems. And we talked the problem all the way down to the, to the parking lot of Papacitos. And then we talked it once we got inside. And we talked it through the chips and the salsa, red and green. Because <laughs> I used to give you green. Now you ask for green. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. And we talked about it through the chips and the salsa. And then we talked about it through the, the meal. And we talked about it through dessert. And we both agreed it was one of the worst meals we'd ever had. Not the quality of the food, but the environment we created. Because all we did was magnify the problem. What we keep in our mind and what we keep in our mouth is what we're going to magnify in our life. Let me give you scripture for it. Joshua 1.8 said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, 
you shall meditate, think. So there's words and thoughts, day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Guys, let me tell you, this year, I, I, I'm not going to be negative, this year you will encounter at least one problem. Look straight ahead. Do not look at the person sitting next to you. <laughs> straight ahead. You will encounter one problem. You say, Alan, come on, you're kidding. You know I'm going to encounter more than one problem. I'm just telling you that chances are this year you will have a problem somewhere. Minor, major, you will have a problem. How many of you really, you're, you're, you've, you've had enough of life experiences to know that. You can't control that, but here's what you can control, what you keep on your mind and what you keep in your mouth. I can't control everything. I can't, I could not control that situation with my child. But what we had to do was we had to flip we had to flip the narrative. You've got to flip the script. So instead of thinking problem, 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 we begin to think, God, I know you can help us with this situation. And when you begin to talk that, and you begin to talk God can help us, and God can move in this situation, what are you doing? You're starting to magnify him. And when you begin to magnify him, the problems get smaller. You're going to magnify something. Might as well magnify the one who can fix it. Might as well. And this is why God told Joshua. Joshua was, was in charge of leading a few million people. How many of you know with a few million Jews who've been in the desert for a long time, you're going to have a problem. At least one. Maybe more. You've got millions. That everyone's upset. They got, they're mad at this. They've got this going on. You've got, you got problems. He told Joshua, you better not let my word depart out of your mouth. But you, you better meditate. What's, what's it saying? Is, is, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about, about this on Sunday. But you, you want to get some scriptures this year. Don't get a bunch. Two, three. But get some scriptures that you memorize and meditate on. That, that you begin to say and keep on your mind and keep in your mouth. And what will happen is when problems do arise... Instead, the first thing coming out of you is, oh my God, I can't believe we're having this problem. I can't believe this. What are we going to do? This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I have been to church for three stinking weeks in a row and we're having problems. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and instead of doing that, you begin to do what Joy has taught our staff to do. I trust the Lord with all my heart and I don't lean on my own understanding. And all my ways, I acknowledge him. He directs my path. What happens is if you put that in you and then you begin to speak that, I'm not going to make the problems magically go away. No, but it's going to help you put them in perspective. Big God, bigger than the problem. So we magnify God, not the problem. But Alan, we're having problems in our marriage. Okay, but what are you going to magnify? The God who can help you get that fixed or the marriage problem? God, you don't, Alan, you don't understand what's going on in my family. No, I don't. But I know God is bigger. And what are you going to magnify? Does that make sense? This year, I'm going to praise him more. I'm going to boast about him more. In other words, I'm going to give him more credit this year for every good thing in my life. And I want to magnify him more. I can control all three of those things and take it from someone who loves control. If I can, I like what I can control. And it starts with moi. French for me. <laughs> Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? 
Heavenly Father, thank you. You are good to us. You are gracious. You're such a wonderful Father. And we're thankful for all that you've done. Thank you that we've made it out of 2018. For some, they couldn't wait to see this year be over. But Father, as we look at 2019, we're grateful that we're not doing it alone. You're with us. You're in us. And you're bigger than anything we'll face this year. And we're so grateful for that. We bless you. We boast in you. We magnify you. You are truly good. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you happen to come this evening and say, Alan, I don't know that I'm even right with the Lord. I don't know that, but I want to be sure. Or maybe you're just, just real honest. You say, Alan, I know I'm not right with God, but on this first service of the year, I wanted to make sure I was. Would, would you pray for me? If either one of those situations applies, we're not going to have you stand up or come to the front. But if that's you and you would like our prayers, would you just slip your hand up across this auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. See hands up all over. Anybody else? Good. Wonderful. Great. Thank you for your courage. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. And maybe you didn't lift your hand. You really wanted to. You can pray this prayer from your heart. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Now, Father, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Many hands went up. And so, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for their honesty. Thank you for their courage. But thank you that you have kept your word. And if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, salvation appears right there. Restoration is right there. And all's well between you and them. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We give you all the praise for it. And we thank you in advance for a wonderful year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.